You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started Betty, welcome back to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. I am your host, Dee Dee Wills. Um, Adam is off today, and so I am flying solo, So, but, but not completely solo because I have a really special guest. Um, Brandy Rosen is with me. She is uh, a consultant that works with teachers and schools across the nation, um, specifically on classroom management. And you can find her over on Teaching Untangled. But before we get going too far into what we're going to talk about, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that we could finally make this happen. We were like ships passing in the night last (laughs) week. We were trying to come up with a time and then try to get a time that would work for Adam. And so it just turned out that it was just going to have to be us. Um, Things have been kind of up in the air as far as uh, traveling around and things, you know, obviously don't always work out the way we hope they would. But I am very, very happy to be able to talk to you about a little bit about what kind of work you do and the impact that it has in classrooms. So could you tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you spend your days and nights and weekends thinking about and doing? Absolutely. Well, I've been in education for nearly 30 years um, and I have um, spent a majority of that in special education and in the area of behavior and classroom management um, within general ed and special education. And um, so I spend most of my days these days in teachers' classrooms, primarily um, general education teachers, really helping them um, create systems that work for the classrooms that they have right now, as well as doing um, tons of professional development and uh, trainings for schools and districts kind of nationwide. Um, I also create courses um, for teachers, professional development for teachers as well. So that's what, you know, right now, that's what I've been doing. I've been a teacher. I've been an administrator. I've um, done kind of the whole, the whole back from preschool all the way through high school. So I've kind of covered it all in the, in the last 30 years. Okay. Okay. And, and before we started recording, we were talking about how um, the last, you know, year in education is unique and different. And um, those who of you who are listening, I'm, I'm not telling something you don't know, right? So you're like, yeah, this was a really hard year um, from classroom um, kind of behavior standpoint, right? On top of everything else, um, that was something that was really a challenge for a lot of teachers. So can you talk a little bit about um, kind of what you're noticing um, in these classrooms that you're going in? I'm sure people who are listening will be able to identify with some of the things that you've been noticing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I think all of us um, kind of went in with the expectation that or the thoughts that we were going to kind of jump back into where we were before everything changed. Yes. And um, that was of, uh, you know, I tell teachers all the time, that was of no fault of anybody. We, this was, we never knew, we've never been in this situation, right? So we didn't know what we were walking into. And um, what I think that universally what teachers have seen is that the um, impact of not being in person school for that long really hit um, especially younger kids in the area of behavior, um, behavior management, learning to learn skills, all of those skills that kind of um, th- that, you know, 
the kids learn in school. That's why schools are so important, right? That's what right. we do. Um, and so many, many of them were, um, you know, at home with somebody kind of next to them all the time. And so they didn't need to learn those skills like, um, how do you take turns? How do you wait for somebody else to talk? What do you do if something doesn't go your way or you have to do something differently? Um, right. And all of that comes together when you have, you know, 20 to 30 kids who are all kind of struggling with those same areas. Um, and so that really makes, you know, can make a, cl a class really challenging. And, um, and I think that we, we were kind of in a catch 22 because ideally we would kind of go backwards a little bit and reteach all of these skills. But the right. reality is, is that we have to move forward because the kids are going to the next grade the next year. And so right. you have to, you know, I think this year teachers were really struggling with kind of doing both of those pieces. Well, there's sort of the pressure of trying to fill the gap, academic gap, right. And, and knowing where we had been at this point in our teaching year in years past. Um, and that, you know, constant pressure, I think teachers feel to, to pour everything they can into students, but then you have this behavior that's kind of interrupting that. Um, and it just adds layers of stress upon stress. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, that the kindergarten, first grade, pre-K kind of group really took the hit on that uh, pretty hard. Um, for example, I was in a first grade classroom and, um, you know, it was March of this year already. And I, that the curriculum, the academics they were doing were just so far out of where those kids were. And, right. and so I'm watching and I'm saying this class really should be run like a kindergarten because that's where these kids are. And that's what they need to be able right. to move on. But the teacher's like, but next year they're going to second grade. So right. I, can't, I mean, I have to do some of this. So it's really, it's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. So when you go in, you know, you're kind of noticing the gap academically um, and behaviorally. Ooh, I can't say that word this early in the morning. <laughs> behaviorally. Um, I might actually be making up words over here. But you're seeing this gap um, and, you know, teach some probably depends on administration. Some administrations might be saying, teach them where they are and others might be saying, keep pace with the curriculum. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think the, to be honest, I think the majority of schools I'm working in are, are saying you have to kind of do both because unless we, you know, as a nation decide to take a, a year, a gap year yes. and, you know, let kids catch up, all of the kids have to be able to move on. And so I think it's really about like targeting what are those core skills that they're going to need and, um, you know, skipping some of the things that maybe aren't as critical, but yes. so that, so that you can really get those core, both academic and behavioral skills so that when they move on, they may have missed some of the, you know, extras of that grade, but they're able to, you know, be ready for that. Have next. some of the skills necessary to, to make sense the following year. Right, right. Right. So having to kind of weed out, I guess, some of those kind of low yielding activities. Absolutely. In in the hope of going to some of the the more um, higher yielding activities, right? That's, yeah, be more strategic exactly. with your time. And I think, you know, along with that, really committing to um spending the time to really focus on those behavior and those learning to learn skills, because if we just keep pushing through yeah. and we don't kind of 
teach those core skills, then the same thing will continue to happen because, you know, if they can't, um, if they don't have the skill to um, pay attention when somebody else is talking, um, then that's just going to carry over and carry over and carry over. And so um, I think that, you know, there, yes, there's absolutely that balance of figuring out what's important long-term and being able to put some of the, you know, less important things aside. Um, and, you know, being able to, to listen and, and listen with, uh, an opened, an open mind is something we're struggling now as with adults as well. So, you know, with, these are things that may be also modeled at home on that are not in education, right? Well, well, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's the other piece of it. I think that we, um, underestimated again, kind of the impact of, um, you know, the last two years on both teachers yes, and on parents. So, you know, the kids are coming with all of this, you know, all of this trauma baggage, whatever, you know, and, and teachers are struggling. I mean, they, they were a part of the, we were all a part of this too. So we have, you know, we have all of our own feelings and, and emotions about what happened. So, um, it's, it's, it's tough for everybody. I, I can't tell you how many, t- every day when I go into a class, I think if we could just all stop for a minute, you know, if we could just like yeah. all acknowledge, like everybody just needs a minute and like, let's just play for a while or let's just like, you know, right. take a minute, but, but it's just, we're not really set up that way. So, um, right. you know, because that's the reality, then we need to really kind of provide those supports for kids so that they're ready, you know, that, that, that they've kind of have a chance right. to make up what they missed. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's a magical solution, but I know that you have some solutions. So, um, I'm hoping that maybe you can share some bits of advice of things that maybe you're seeing teachers do currently that they're doing believing that it's in the best interest, but maybe some shifts that you would ask them to think about to maybe kind of, uh, oh, what's, I'm not sure what the word is, but to, to help find that solution. So maybe, maybe, cause I'm oftentimes when I talk with teachers, um, when we're talking about writer's workshop, like I know the things that I would say, this is something I commonly see in classrooms. And if we just change it to this, we'll be much more effective. So if you have some of those types of um, antidotes that you could share, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of the most common themes of what has been helpful is, um, you know, I, I keep coming back to the to the term learning to learn skills because I, I just, you know, I can't kind of emphasize enough how much that um, is impacting classes right now. Um, and so I think that, you know, Again, so because our kids, many of them didn't get the typical structural learning situation that yeah. they would with, you know, like a, a pre, you know, preschool possibly, but a pre-K and a K and a one, then which is exactly where those skills, that's where they're taught, that um, we're, I'm seeing a lot of really good results when teachers commit to, it's, it's one of my kind of favorite things to do, um, we do like a learning to learn lesson every day only like a, you know, seven to 10 minutes. And we target one of the skills that the kids are kind of struggling with. And um, we break the skill down and and I'll give kind of an example. We break the skill down and then we practice and we play and it's fun. And then we use that 
um, throughout the next few weeks to practice and really focus on. So for example, one of the classrooms that I was, that I've been working in pretty much since January, it's been a really, a really tough classroom. And, um, for example, one of the skills that was really impacting this particular classroom was, um, being able to work independently. So, um, developmentally, you know, obviously, you know, young children need a lot of support, but there are times, and especially towards the end of the year, where they should be able to, um, you know, navigate the classroom independently. That's that's what we want, right? Right. Um, but they were all day, every day, every, didn't matter what you put in front of them. They're, you know, calling out to the teacher, raising their hand, getting okay. up, walking out. Like, it, so lessons were taking forever. She wasn't getting through anything. And so we were, we started doing, um, for just for just a few uh, for a few days, we started doing um, independent work time, which I know is not like a, a, a you know gigantic eye opener. But the way that we did it was we broke the skill down really really specifically. We defined it, and what we said is you get your assignment, you work independently without asking any questions. That was a big piece of it, and then you stop when we tell you to stop. That was all of it. Right. So we started out with easier things that they would never need to ask questions about, coloring. And then we started adding a little bit more where there was kind of a problem, but they needed to solve it without asking a question. And it has, it's been amazing. And, yes. and but, but was really hard, but now they're starting to get it. They just were so used to having somebody right there right. that they could just ask, 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 ask. So that's been a really great, um, that's been a really great help in classrooms where teachers have committed to do that. Um, because I think sometimes like, you know, I tell them we have to take a step back to go forward. And so yeah. it seems like that's going to slow down things, but it actually helps. Things. Actually helps. Yes. And, yeah. and also the teacher's, um, sanity because for sure, you know, it's like you're getting henpecked to death in the classroom, right? Constantly. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, Crazy. right, right. And, and I also kind of identify with students in a way of somebody has always been there to help me. And we've taken away, I just think about like tech support, right? So like for me, technology haven't helped me. Right. But we'll have, <laughs> I'll have tech issues. Um, and if I have somebody always come in and fix the problem, then if that person is gone, my anxiety level goes up, right? But if I learn Google is my friend and mm -hmm. YouTube is my friend and I know how to go find those solutions, then I feel like there's probably no problem I can't figure out on my own. Um, exactly. And of course, this isn't, isn't the same as small children, but that anxiety of not having somebody sweep in to rescue you um, is is real. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and again, because they didn't really go through that typical kind of pulling away from having that, you know, parental or, or whatever adult support right next to them, then it, I, I don't in any way blame kids. You know, this is, this sure. is what they were, this is what they were taught. And um, I think that, again, I think we just didn't, we didn't know what to expect when we, when kids came back into the classroom. And so, um, you know, these are all really amazingly experienced long teachers that I'm working with. And they just were, you know, they're back on track to what has always worked. And so just kind right. of opening their eyes to things need to be a little different. So that's been a really, really um, great, um, you know, a, a great intervention. Another thing that's been really super helpful is um, 
looking behaviorally at the entire classroom and really targeting those behaviors that interfere the most with, um, you know, learning. teacher sanity and kids learning. Yeah. And so um, because there are so many more behaviors in classroom for many, for many teachers, um, you know, I was finding that the teachers feel overwhelmed with all of the behaviors. And so when you feel overwhelmed with behaviors, you just kind of are like, I can't do anything. But yeah. just really being able to um, break them, break those down. I have teachers um, list out every behavior in their classroom that is, you know, interrupting with it. Yes, is disrupting. And then I have them put um, put them in order of most interrupting to least interrupting. And then I have them circle the top two behaviors. And those are the behaviors we work on. We forget about the rest because those are not taking up the most of your time. And then we start really focusing on those. Um, and in most cases, um, you know, we set up kind of a simple reinforcement around those. So, um, you know, if a teacher says that the calling out is the most interrupt, you know, the most disruptive, which is, it is fine. Like a lot of times teachers will say, I know it shouldn't bug me. I'm like, it, it is your classroom. And so, right. yes, there's no right or wrong. And then we just practice and we reinforce. And I, I think that, um, one of the things that I've done with, um, with first and second grade teachers is I've had them go and observe in kindergarten classrooms, um, and talk to kindergarten teachers because, so many, so much of what they're doing is what kindergarten usually does. And so it's yeah. been harder for those, you know, upper grade teachers because they just don't, they're not used to having to do that because the kindergarten teachers took care of it, right? That's what, right. you know, that's what they do. Um, so really just looking at, you know, the kids where they are, the classroom where they are. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm always telling teachers, I'm like, be gentle with yourself. Like, it's okay that this is hard. Yeah. You know, this doesn't make you a bad teacher. Right. Um, so there is something about that, you know, comparing, um, you know, you compare yourself to things that you um, did in the previous years, or you compare yourself to what teachers appear to be able to do on, you know, social media, yeah. like, oh, they have a delightful class. I'm the only one that has a hot mess express, yeah. right? Totally. Uh, and, you know, that's just not, it's just not true. It's just not true. And I think no, it is not true. And I, I, I actually, you know, write a lot of blogs about that, of beware of the, you know, the social, the, the social media pictures and all of that, yes. that tells you how great the classroom is and how beautiful it is. And, and I'm working with teachers where, you know, the kids ripped everything off the walls and they're trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong and right. just turn that off. Just don't, don't even look at that because that's not, and that's not real. And it, and it, and ultimately it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you have the class that you have. And so right. um, I think another, you know, another um, interesting thing that happened that we didn't expect is because for a lot of, you know, in some areas of the country, there, there are kids who were in school more last year, but in many areas um, when they were doing the class makeups, they didn't know the kids that well. And so in some situations, there's just classrooms that were just super heavy with behavioral kids um, because we didn't know because, you know, we'd had them on Zoom or it was a shortened right. day or, you know, right. uh, whatever. Um, and I think that also when kids started coming back last year, um, they, they were super appreciative of being back and there tended to be less behavior problems because they just were so happy to be in the classroom. 
And then this year it's been a little bit like, oh, we're back, you know, and right, then right. now it's starting to starts to the true colors start to come out. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. I think that, you know, our the the biggest um, one of the biggest mistakes that we we run into with classroom management and behavior is we just think too big. And we get, you know, overwhelmed with everything. We try and do everything so we don't do anything. Um, and so it really is just breaking down what's going on in your classroom. And, you know, one of the messages I love to share with teachers is um, I, I ask them, I say, you know, what percentage of your day do you think that you're spe you spend dealing with kind of, you know, interfering behaviors, you know, and whatever they say, 60% of the day. And so then I say, okay, well, if we try this one thing and we get that down to 40% of the day, that's pretty good. You just got 20% of your day back. Um, it's yeah. not everything, but it's something. And so really looking at it kind of, um, I, I always encourage teachers to look at behavior and classroom management, just like you would with reading, writing, or math. Um, you know, we don't, give a kid war and peace and expect them to read, right? We, we right. break it down and we Correct. find where those holes are right. and, and really doing the same thing for, you know, classroom management behavior. That's what, that's what kind of gets us there. So, you know, I think, I think the debate is over, um, but there has been, you know, the idea of negative consequences, positive consequences, the clip chart, um, all of those things. Um, you know, we have about 10 minutes kind of left to kind of chat about that. So when we have negative behaviors, not blurting, but, you know, you, like you're talking about disruptive on the walls, um, throwing items, lashing out, can you walk through kind of what you would advise a teacher? Absolutely. Yeah, I walk teachers through kind of a five-step process when we're looking at those interfering behaviors, and um, and yeah, I'm so I'll I'll be I'll be fully transparent. I'm I'm not a supporter of a, a clip chart. I'm not a supporter of anything that kind of shames kids or you know takes things necessarily away in that way. So I, I and and partially I'll tell you that's because the you know like I said I've been in this field a long time. The research shows that that sort of punishment and those negative interventions, um, they change behavior short-term, but they do not change behavior long-term. So though it might make it better in that one minute, it's not, right. so you end up chasing your tail. You just end up working harder. So that's that's part of it. Um, and so- Can I just say, can I also say, isn't it sort of like those negative um, is, is students, aware of where they're behaving at times, you know, like if I do this in front of this person, this type of behavior, sometimes it's, uh, can I get away without getting caught? You know, instead of changing their coping, their need to cope, it just stops them um, versus, okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. And I think that that's, so uh, that's exactly right. The big, one of the biggest mistakes we may, may make in dealing with behavior is we, we focus a lot on stopping the behavior, but we don't focus enough about filling in that behavior with a, a different behavior, because that's really where you're going to get your long-term results. So um, what I do is I walk through um, five steps with, with all the teachers that I'm working with. And the first one is we look at what is the behavior that's interfering and really kind of get that as narrow as we can, as opposed to the kids are out of control. Uh, you know, we want to focus more on um, they're out of the seat, they're out of their seat all day long whatever, you know, whatever that behavior is, being as specific as possible. And then we move into looking at when is the behavior occurring the most in the classroom and 
when is it most interfering? And that's another piece that we forget to look at. So if the students are out of their seat all day, but some of the time it doesn't bother the teacher because it's fine and it works fine. And sometimes it's really a struggle. Then we want to focus on that time when it's really interfering. So that's kind of the first two steps. Then we want to look at why is the behavior occurring? And this is kind of, you know, uh, this moves more into the behavioral realm, but we, we really simplify it. Is, is the student, you know, trying to get your attention? Are they trying to avoid something? Are they trying to you know, control their situation. Whatever that reason is, is really important because that's how we're going to teach them a new skill. So then once we figure out all of those, um, the next piece is the piece that we always forget. And that's what you were talking about. This is what are we going to teach them to do instead? So if they're always at, you know, if the student is, always, let's say, you know, a different behavior. So let's say the, the student is throwing objects and we realize that it's because it happens during reading and it's because they can't really read and they don't want to read out loud. And so right. then they distract with this behavior, right? Because then we send them out of the room or they get whatever happens, they get away from that. And so the behavior that we want them to be able to do instead, obviously, is read. But in the in the meantime, we want them to be able to, say, ask for a break or talk to the teacher beforehand or be able to, you know, sit calmly while they feel frustrated, you know, whatever those kinds right. of new skills right. are. And then the last piece is we, we um, have to decide how are we going to teach that new behavior. And so we go through that same system for everything and everything that we do in the classroom. And then that's where that reinforcement piece comes in. So we're reinforcing that new behavior. So in one of the classrooms that I'm working with, um, the calling out was a big deal. We um, figured out a certain time of the day that it was most problematic. Um, we did, we realized that they were trying to get attention. And so um, we spent some time teaching, raising their hand. Like we practiced that skill. Now, sh did we you know, should most kids know how to do that? Sure. But they just didn't, you know, they right, didn't understand right. that because they've been on a zoom. They didn't have to raise their hand. Right. Um, right. And so then we practiced and practiced and we played games and we had fun and we were silly. And then she set up um, a really simple kind of ticket system around raising hand. And so then it was like, every time they raised their hand, they got these tickets and she was, you know, and they got to earn some cute, you know, cash out activities at the end. And that stopped that behavior because they got to practice it and they, we really taught them what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's really kind of how, when you're looking at those more interfering behaviors, you really, mm -hmm. you know, just want to walk through those steps. And, and as you get used to it, you start going through it really fast. Um, you know, one of the teachers that I worked with, she was like, I, there's no way I have time to do all this. I'm like, I promise you, if you practice this with me a couple of times, you're going to just do it like that every time. And now that's exactly what she's doing. So oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So that really, because like you said, if we just stop behavior, you're going to be running around constantly, you know, putting out this fire and putting out whack -a -mole. that fire. Yeah. Whack-a-mole. So, yeah. um, you know, also that, um, probably that de-escalation is something that is, you know, in the moment when somebody, um, some, some small, some small, somebody is just, you know, like a whirling dervish. Um, you know, there's certain things that teachers can do. Okay. So let's just, let's just, um, I'd love to have your input. So you have a student who is just melting down and they are either screaming, throwing, um, 
and or all of the above mm-hmm. suggestions in that you're in that moment. Right. Right. right? So ideally, right, we have all these perfect little steps that we're going to go through to make everything pretty and great, yeah. and then it doesn't work. Um, and so uh, we, what do we do? So the best thing that you can, well, the best way to handle it is to have a plan before that happens. That's the most important thing. And I, I like to call that my plan B. And so a plan B is like, um, you know, we've got all our systems in place and they're working and then they stop working for whatever reason. And so right. the plan B for, for in, in a lot of times, if it's that, you know, if it's getting really kind of out of control and unsafe, is that maybe the other kids um, take a step out of the classroom. Um, sometimes that means that there's an, a, a um, connected class that they can walk into. Sometimes yeah. it just means outside. Um, sometimes if we have a student where this is happening on a regular basis, they have kind of their plan B folder and they just walk outside right outside and they have coloring and they do some things so that you can take the audience away from that particular student right. um, and be able to deescalate them. Now, there there are a ton of um, you know, behavioral interventions for de-escalation, um, like reinforcing kind of an approximation of what you want. So as right. they're starting to calm down, then you're, you know, really reinforcing them just for being calm. Um, I think some things to stay away from is don't get into a power struggle with them yeah. at that moment, you know, yeah. be right. careful of what you're, you know, take all the demands off the table. And if they're not um, a risk to themselves or to you, um, then kind of back up and let, you know, let that kind of play itself out as opposed to jumping in too much. Right. Um, and if you know that there is something that generally calms that student down, um, it's okay to kind of put that in place, even though, you know, that kind of reinforces that escalated behavior, but that's okay because you, you know, you're doing what you need to do to run your classroom. And right. so if you know that it calms them down to be on the iPad. So, give them the iPad so you can get yourself back on track or you can get your right. kids back in school. Right. And then you need to look at, you know, what needs to happen differently for that student. So right. in the moment of an escalation, that's really when we do the least, you know what I mean? Because we're not going to try and teach. We're not going to try and change the behavior. We're really just focusing on getting that student safe and deescalated. Right. And then it's the follow-up part. I think it, like you said, that is the critical part. Um, because you have usually a student who blows up has done this more than once. It's not sure. just a one and done. It's, and, and you in your heart are thinking it's going to happen again. Right. <laughs> and so you have, it, and it'll probably happen many times before it, it slows right. down or right before you get to the other side of that behavior. Um, and so staying the course, yeah. um, I think is really important. And, and, and I guess everything begins with that relationship you have with that student, right? It is sometimes, sometimes those students that need you the most <laughs> are the ones that are the hardest to love unconditionally. Absolutely. They just, I'm just thinking about, they, they take your, um, sometimes they, they do not spark joy. You know, <laughs> they, they do not. Um, and so, you know, looking for those moments when, things are running well and we're not in a moment to really form that relationship with that child um, in a genuine way. Cause you got to lean into those on those moments when you think I'm going to pinch your little head here. Right. Yeah. So you've got to well, have those moments. 
And I think that, you know, giving teachers permission, like you just said, like giving teachers permission to understand that like, this is really hard. Some kids are harder than others. And the reality is you're not going to love every single kid that's in your classroom. And so, um, but it's not about loving them. It's about like, what can we do to be able to provide, you know, what they need? Um, Oh, but they're, you know, and a lot of these kids, um, like I said, I, you know, I start, I I started out teaching with um, severely uh, behaviorally impacted kids. So I've worked with like, you know, the toughest of the tough and, Mm -hmm. and they, they can figure it out, man. They, they know exactly where to push and what to say to get you and to um, it's hard because yes, like you said, they've been doing this a while and it, so it, it kind of works for them, even though it seems like we keep thinking, why are you doing this? But for them, it's working. And so um, it can be absolutely hard. But I think giving teachers permission to have that feeling, like I I appreciate that you said that, you know, it's like, absolutely. You're not, you're not a bad teacher. You're not a bad person. Right. Right. If if this student is, you know, pushing all your buttons. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. It's okay to not, to not, um, you know, love them at the moment as, as a parent, you know, there are times (laughs) when, you know, you have a child who might be acting out and you're thinking, you know, I love you, but I don't really like you right now, you know? And so I think those are, you know, that's just kind of the reality of, of working with humans. Um, you know, and even though they're five and six, they're still humans who have, who have their own things that they're bringing in. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we, we always, and cause teachers are humans. And so we need to always remember that they, you know, are going to have human reactions. Yeah, I do. I mean, those of you who are listening, you know, I've talked about going in my closet and crying just for a moment, you know, cause it, it is, it is a really hard, it's a really hard, it's a great job. It's a really hard job. Really. Um, and, um, I'm sure this year probably made you wonder about, you know, if they were hiring at the waffle house, <laughs> by the way, they are, they are hiring at the waffle house every day. I might, I might, I might know that for a fact, but um, <laughs> anyhow, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking your time. We'll go ahead and include all of the information where people can find you. Um, right. You are going into schools, you're going into classrooms. This might be something that those of you who are listening, thinking about how you want to start off your year next year. Um, or if you have a summer school kind of moment of professional development, this might be just exactly what you need. So you step, you know, you start your year um, in August with a plan. We all know that we have plans, but this will be a plan that you can practice and exactly. and um, hopefully make your next year much spark more joy. That's what we want to do. <laughs> we want to spark more joy next year. Thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll you. see you guys on the next one. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.